We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome into another episode of the Goodman and Hummel podcast. I'm Jeff Goodman. He's Rob Hummel, and Rob, we got some uh, we get some other people on. I got bored I of you, so I, I wanted to spice it up a little bit. Talking to you is sometimes like talking to the wall, so I figured I'd bring on some people here uh, who would entertain me and educate me and inform me a little bit. And one of those people is uh, you know well. It's your your former college coach who probably made you run. Uh, many a sprint over the course of your career, Matt Painter. <laughs> I deserve it, though. I deserve all the sprints he made me run. But no, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. There, there's a lot to talk about here. So th- this should be this should be really good. Yeah, we're going to talk about kind of the state of the game right now with everything that's going on. And it has been uh, crazy over the last couple months. And we've got Missouri State head coach Dana Ford to give us kind of the, the mid-major perspective a little bit. Paint gives us the high-major perspective. Hunter Dickinson of Michigan gives us the player perspective. And Zach Charles, who's worked for a couple agencies uh, and has been a certified agent for the last 10 years, will give us the agent perspective. All right. So, like I said, it has been uh, a whirlwind, I think, over the last couple months. I don't know if anybody saw this coming to the extent it has with just all the changes within college basketball, whether it's from NIL, whether it's from the one-time transfer waiver. Um so I'll start with you, Matt Painter, of, of the big question is, is obviously why are we where we are, number one, and, you know, your thoughts of kind of what it's like right now. Yeah, I would say, you know, how we got to where we are with all these things, uh, I think initially started with the waiver process. I think it was so hard um, and the waiver process got out of control. Then you throw the lawsuits on top of it, you know, the O'Bannon case, the Alston, you know, a couple others to, to reference. So those two things together um, is, is, is really what got the ball rolling. Um, the one-time transfer, which I was on the subcommittee for that, um, I wanted the guardrail of not letting guys transfer immediately until their second year. They could transfer after their freshman year, but they would have to sit but then they would keep their one-time transfer. So they could still do a one-time transfer just to soften it. Cause I just thought with the one-time transfer and name, image and likeness in COVID all in the same surge, 
that was so much to take under there. The name, image, and likeness is something that was needed, um, but it couldn't be in the recruiting space. And that's what I talked about right away. You can't let name, image, and likeness come into the recruiting world on top of the one-time transfer. Then obviously with everything with COVID, obviously that didn't happen and they didn't listen to anything that, that I had brought up. But I really felt that name, image, and likeness should have started um, their third semester of school. So your sophomore year, first day of classes is when that would register. Um, just because it was coming in with the one-time transfer and everything with COVID. I just felt like we had to soften everything and not try to limit anything, but just kind of soften the one-time transfer and make that to where that you have to, you know, go at least two years of college before you could use that. And um, in the name, image, and likeness, or we would be where we are. And now this is where we are. The thing that you have to do when you represent that. So I was a part of the, the one-time transfer and obviously on a lot of those committees, I just, I thought they were diminishing low to mid-major basketball. I didn't think it was fair across the board. I think if you're at Michigan or you're at Purdue, you're going to get players. They can shake it up how they want. But if you go a hundred years at the, at the University of Michigan, they've always had players. If you go look at a hundred years of Purdue basketball, they've always had players. But when you get a guy at a mid-major level, like a, a Ron Harper or a Dan Marley or a Hersey Hawkins, man, that's gold. That is absolute gold. And that's what it, that's what it makes. And, and the part of the NCAA tournament is North Texas and St. Peter's beating Purdue. That's, that's the NCAA tournament. Sure, those teams at the low to mid-major might not win the NCAA tournament. We've had a few go to the Final Four. Um, but that's what March Madness is all about, that unpredictability. I don't understand why we've diminished low to mid-major basketball. Because when you struggle or you don't play, you transfer. Everybody understands that. I'm not playing, I'm leaving. But when you play really well and you're all conference and you're good, now you leave. Well, well, who stays? So if you're at a low to mid-major school, like if you're at a high major school, you can just go and get somebody. It might not be ideal, but you can still have a better chance than a low to mid-major to go get anybody. So I didn't think that was, that was fair. The other thing that the NCAA has done is we've really uh, done a great job in growing our, our graduation rates overall for men's basketball student athletes. But we've done an unbelievable job in the last 10 years of African-American student athletes and their graduation rates. And then the, it's been unbelievable. Yeah. I don't see how this is helping that cause. Um, I'm not saying it's totally devaluing education, but when you transfer one time, I think that's a manageable deal. I really believe so. But when you're playing at three and four schools, I don't know if that's that's manageable from an educational standpoint and what you're trying to do. So when you're making decisions, the reason I bring this up is you can't just sit there and think about Michigan and Purdue. you got to think about everybody. And I just didn't think I didn't think it was right for all these things at the same time. But I really didn't think with the one time transfer that that was fair for the low to mid-major schools in division one, not to really talk about like it affects everybody. So it affects NAIA, it affects division two, it affects division three, maybe not in the same capacity, but it still affects them. Hunter, I want to get a, a player's perspective from you. We've even seen guys go into the transfer portal to leverage and get more NIL at other places. You said yourself, NIL was a big part of why you came back to, to Michigan this year. What's, what's your experience been like with this? 
Yeah, for me, I think, you know, NL was pretty big for college hoops. You know, I think a lot of people complain about how, um, you know, like the stars aren't staying enough in college basketball. And, you know, I feel like without NIL, I think you would have seen a lot of the top players who have already announced that they're coming back. I think they would have probably, you know, stayed in the draft or at least tested. Um, you know, you see guys like Armando and Oscar who didn't even, and myself who didn't even try to test because, you know, we feel like the situation that we have coming back with NIL and just, you know, another chance to be able to develop, um, we feel like, you know, is the best decision for us. So I think, you know, NIL has been big because I think it's been bigger than, you know, what people expected. Um, like Coach Painter said, I think, you know, with the recruiting aspect, I think that's made it, you know, a bit harder, um, you know, for people to kind of leg legitimize because it's like, you know, the NCAA really didn't want it to be a recruiting pitch, but I feel like nowadays that's one of the first things that college coaches are saying um, because, you know, I know for myself, if, you know, I was a senior in high school, you know, I want to see what I'm getting. You know, you see it on Twitter, Miami, you know, before like the guy even, you know, signed his paperwork, they already had his NIL deal out there. And so, you know, recruits see that, you know, they even had a player on their own team try to hold them for ransom because, I mean, he saw the deal and he's like, whoa, like, I'm not getting that. So, you know, like, and I, I mean, I, I feel that I, I understand, like, you know, I probably want to try to go hold Jawan for ransom, but, you know, I would kind of feel some type of way too about it. Like, I think, you know, the NIL has definitely helped college basketball, but I think it also comes with, you know, some negatives that people will definitely try to exploit. Yeah, I just don't think we were ready for it completely. And the NCAA certainly wasn't ready for it, Dana. Um, Paint talked about it, how the mid-majors are probably the ones that get hurt and the low-majors more than anybody else. Uh, what's your experience like? I mean, you just lost your your leading scorer, Isaiah Mosley, to the portal, and you know he's going straight high, high major. Um, what's it been like for you and talking to other uh, mid-major coaches? You know, it, it hadn't been easy. And, and like Coach said, uh, things just happen so fast and so hard that you, you really, unless you were thinking about how you were going to adjust to it, you, you don't have time to play catch up. And so we really spent a lot of time this past year in our recruiting meetings discussing the fact that we may have an entirely new team next year. And, and that's ultimately where, where we're sitting. I mean, we, we signed, uh, I want to say, 10 new guys uh, just this year. And like Coach talked about it, our level, it's, it's so much more than just what, what meets the naked eye. Like, for example, uh, this has impacted our budget tremendously. We, we used to be a program that would go out in the summer and evaluate AU tournaments and things of that nature and, and maybe have six visits in the fall. Well, well, now we just had about 10 in the spring. I mean, we used to never have that many visits in the spring. Uh, from a recruiting standpoint, I didn't attend one single event th this past month due to the fact that we had, you know, visits on campus all those weekends. So uh, it, it's absolutely just putting a huge dent into our budget and, and, and in fact, going to make us make a decision whether or not we ever recruit in the summer again. Because does it make sense, you know, outside of maybe a local talent that that's really good? Who else should I go see? Um, but but not only that, but like our fan engagement, you know, you, you've got programs like ours that have a rich tradition. Um, you know, coach he used to be at Southern Illinois. They got rich tradition. And, and a part of that tradition is, you know, growing familiar with uh, the, the freshman on your team that 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 was maybe a local kid that that just 
you know, grew into a, a, a local legend over the course of his career. And I think, you know, those those days, unfortunately, are, are going to maybe be over for some, but, but definitely few and far between for others. So there's a lot of different layers to this. But, you know, you, you have to make a decision. Are we going to be a, a program that looks at it as a problem or are we going to be one that looks at it as a predicament? And, and that's what we've done. We've looked at it as, hey, this is just our predicament. How, how do we navigate through this instead of figure out a way to maybe try to change it? Because I, I don't I don't foresee the change coming anywhere near back to where it was. It, you know, in fact, things could 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 get even uh, more out of hand. If, if the one time becomes a, a multiple time, right? I mean, how, how can you manage that moving forward? So I, I don't think that it was a great idea for everything to happen all at once. Uh, without a doubt, you know, we've kicked this can down the road uh, uh, plenty of times before, and, and we could have did that again, at least till we got through COVID. And, and maybe like Coach said, let's, let's start the NIL, which is something that is definitely a positive when, when used in the right 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 manner uh but but to also throw that one-time transfer on top it just makes it really hard to 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 build a program you know like coaches talking about uh the north texas and saint peters you know those teams probably had guys that had been in their program two three four years and were able to build up a group that could go and beat a, a power five on the neutral floor so um you know you you look at our roster next year uh, we, we, we played this year with just two seniors, but, but now we have 10 new guys, right? So, so that, that used to be a situation where you would, you would say, Hey, we could really just, you know, reload next year. We signed a couple guys, but, but now that, that philosophy is, is definitely uh, out the window. Zach, you, you've been a sports agent now for, for 10 years and you've worked to build your career up and, and you've gone through that grind. And now you might be getting out of the business. And it feels like at this point, there's probably more opportunity for agents, maybe more so than ever, right? Why, why are you leaving now? Yeah. You know, when I got into this business 10 years ago, it was about relationship building, right? And kind of like what the coaches said, right? You go, you sit in somebody's living room, you talk to mom and dad, you tell them how you're going to help their kid go from point A to point B and so on and so forth. And as the game and as the years continued to go by, it became more of a vanity game, right? And who can give the most money off the floor, right? Who had the most clients? Who was given the bigger signing bonuses? What were the perks? Was it a car? Was it this? Was it that? Uh, and we can all say, you know, listen, there are programs and there are agents that would pay kids in grade school and high school under the table. And it is what it is. Now it's out, right? Now it's out in the open. Um, and I think we're living in a really dangerous time for this game, right? I think the fact that NIL is now going to be allowed in high school games is very dangerous, right? Every handler is out there now with their hand out, right? Every agent is at eighth grade basketball games telling kids that they can get them t-shirt deals and car deals and they can't even drive, right? It's a situation where... What happened this weekend with the University of Miami should be an eye opener for everybody. Right. And there are a lot of different stories involved and there are a lot of different takes. And, you know, maybe they knew, maybe they didn't know. Maybe the kid gave the, the thumbs up to run the story. Maybe he didn't. Right. It's pretty hard to imagine that he didn't have any idea that that was coming. Right. Like, I think it's a good way to save yourself. 
I think if you, you know, the two coaches right here, I don't know if you want a kid like that in your program moving forward, right? If you know he's going to enter the transfer portal looking for an NIL deal, right? Hey, I had X amount of dollars on the table at Miami. Now give me X and I'll come here, right? So for some people, it's very beneficial, right? Oscar in Kentucky. If he would have declared for the draft, he wasn't a first round pick, right? So he probably would have fallen somewhere in the 40s. Maybe he had to take a two-way, depending on what team chose him. So maybe he gets $500,000 taxed, agent fee, dues, everything like that. Now he goes back to Kentucky, gets $3 million, right? It's, I get it. Simple I math. I, I get it. But just like Coach said, right, Coach Painter said, Michigan, Purdue, they don't have problems here, right? This ruins the game because exactly what they said, who stays? right? Who stays? And that's the biggest problem that we have here. I think each state having their own law on NIL is problematic, right? You got Texas saying one thing, New York with another one, one school can go, high school kids can get it here. So you're going to start to see parents pulling their kids from Texas to New York to get the bag there. Um, It's dangerous, right? And again, we're going to run into the same issue that we always run into, right? College sports is run by men's basketball and men's football, right? There's nobody going to pay the top women's volleyball player $400,000 to go play at UCLA, right? The fact that maybe the 15th or 16th best transfer in the portal got 800K for two years to go to Miami, to do what? That's not an NIL deal, right? The The NIL was not supposed to be let me entice you to come play for my school, right? It's supposed to be, hey, let's sell Hunter jerseys in our arena. And when he gets that, when, when, when everyone's wearing his jersey, he's going to get a profit share of that because they're buying his jersey. Not let's have, you know, some conglomerate come in with a lot of money and start to create collectives and now say, hey, we have $10 million or now UF is building a collective, Right. Soon Michigan's going to build a collective and everybody else, right? That's the problem that we're going to run into here. And if we don't put the kibosh on it now, it's going to get younger in the grassroots game. It's going to get more complicated. And the money that's going to be out there is going to be dirty money. And we've seen what happens when that happens. Yeah, those those Clark Francis uh, elementary school rankings uh, really would be important (laughs) these days. Uh, Hunter, let, let, let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, cause I want, you're on your third point guard in three years, third point guard in three years as a big guy, that is not easy. Cause you need your point guard to get you the damn ball. Um, the transfer portal for you, when you see it, and again, you've been somewhere, you've stayed somewhere, you've had success. What do you think when you see 14 right now, 1400 plus scholarship players are in the portal right now? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I knew once I got to college, I was staying there because, you know, my older brother, he played Division One college basketball, and he went to four schools in five years. And so for me, I knew wherever I was going, I was staying. And, I mean, I understand it from a player's perspective. You know, I got friends who, you know, they go to one school and, you know, the coaches gave them promises that they didn't fulfill. And, you know, they got, you know, certain situations happen. And so, like, they're trying to move on and, you know, they got to try to find the grass green or somewhere else. But I mean, definitely I can understand where the mid-major coaches are coming from because it's like, you know, you want your players to succeed and be great, but 
you know, at a certain sense, you don't want them to be too good to where after one year, they're like, okay, well, I'm done with this. I want to go play at a high major. So then my numbers will actually like NBA scouts will actually, you know, pay attention to my numbers more. Cause it's like, if you're getting 20 at mid major, it's harder because NBA scouts just don't, I guess, compare it as much. And so, I mean, it's hard, but I mean, I feel like, I mean, for do, me, do you like, I mean, when you see the, the, I don't love all the movement, all the movement to me. I can't even remember who's where anymore, where, where years ago, it was easy. When I came, you knew who was going to be there. When, when Hummel's Purdue teams were there, like you knew who was going to come back. Now I can't keep track anymore. That's, I think to me, as somebody covering the sport, very frustrating uh, because everybody's just jumping all over the place and there's no continuity. Yeah, no, for sure. It does feel like it's like free agency out there. And, you know, I think that is one thing like team chemistry wise, it's hard to get that chemistry because it's like, you know, at least five people of your team are going to be brand new from recruiting high school kids or from the transfer portal. I mean, like it's so rare for a team to lose nobody in the portal nowadays because it's just like, you know, kids want a bigger role. Like, you know, nowadays, I guess kids are just having a tough time of really trying to buy into their role or, you know, the development. I feel like nowadays, you know, even on our team, like some kids are struggling to kind of stay with the process and I guess, you know, develop under coaches. It's like one year, if it doesn't work, all right, I'm out. I got to go try to find someone who's going to give me that bigger role that I'm searching for. Hunter, have you noticed that NIL has changed the locker room or even hurt the locker room? You know, just because now you've got, and Jeff and I were talking before, like Adrian Nunez, last year's team, he, he's got what, like a million TikTok followers and he he's making money off of it, but he also never plays. It, has it changed the dynamic at all? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, you know, for our team, especially, I mean, like you said, like the guy who made the most money NIL wise, you know, didn't even really play that much for us. And so um, for us, I don't think it did, you know, like it was, we would discuss it a little bit. I mean, you know, you see like people wearing certain things and, you know, you kind of ask them and you see it on Instagram, but I mean, me personally, like, I don't want to, you know, watch somebody else's pocket and ask, you know, what they're making and stuff like that. It's just me personally, but I mean, I don't think it, I don't think it changes the dynamic. Um, I feel like, you know, it should be understood that like, if you have a lot of followers and, you know, you're successful, I feel like people should realize that, you know, brands are going to attract towards them more than the 13th guy on the bench with 2000 followers. Do, do you think Connor, you're going to have more pressure on you this year? Because I know your dollar figure hasn't come, come out yet and I'm not going to ask it, but we know obviously you're making good money this year. Is it going to mean more pressure for you? And certainly like a Nigel pack who's getting, everybody knows he's getting 400 grand. If he doesn't play well, right. I mean, people are going to talk about that. Uh, I, I was thinking about that actually, Jeff. I mean, for me, you know, I feel like, I feel like there's always been pressure on me. You know, I always put pressure on myself um, when I'm out there to be, you know, the best player I can. Um, and so I think dollar wise, I don't think that'll put any more pressure on me. I think if anything, that will relieve me, you know, I'm like, Hey, well, you know, what happens happens. But I mean, um, I, I feel like there's always pressure for me out there, especially, you know, I know where I want to be. Um, eventually, you know, I feel like I know where I want to end up and, you know, I put pressure on myself each and every day out there to get to where I want to be. So I don't, I don't think the dollar amount 
that, you know, is placed on me will change that. I just think it's fascinating because when I was in the NBA, all anybody talked about in the locker room was how much money other guys were making. <laughs> and now on college teams, that could be the case too. Coach Payne, did, with some of the guys you had this year that had NIL deals, did you notice that they – was anything different or was it much like what Hunter said, it was more of the same? It was more of the same. <clears throat> you know, and I don't think anybody um, was over the top at our place. I think we we're still growing, even though we had a handful of guys that, that did – things obviously Zach um couldn't do it being from Toronto and uh and then Jaden had a few things that he did um but he didn't jump into it you know he's obviously in a different position than a lot of other people um he just wanted to have a great season and obviously we knew he was going to go into the draft so it wasn't a whole lot different for us but we're still growing like we're still you know with everything that we're doing like we're still growing and you know like Dana said we're just we're trying to adjust and try to make it work under, under the guidelines um, of everything. Well, I wanted to ask you about that because somebody said it earlier, state by state, county by county, city by city, it, it can be different. Correct. You just went through a recruitment that's been mentioned here that was very public, ended up mm -hmm. being a very public NIL deal. What are you allowed to do? And what is Purdue yeah. allowed to do? How do yeah, you well, combat this? Yeah, well, you obviously have, we have a, you know, a group that handles it and through a company that has businesses that are there, 200 companies, businesses that they can, you know, ping your guys, your guys can ping them and go into it. What, you know, you guys really discussed earlier is, is that collective and that's, we're not there yet. Uh, and, and that's something where, you know, we've had a lot of discussions. Are they going to have to get to where they cap some things at some point? Um, is that one of the guardrails they're going to have to be able to discuss if it gets, you know, continues to be egregious. How can they pay? How can they cap anything now? I, I don't think they can. I don't think they can, but just the discussions. And we had these discussions before. And obviously I don't understand, you know, all the laws that go with everything. So you got to be careful in what you, what you say, but, um, you know, just, just trying to adjust. Like we went through that recruiting process and that happened. We couldn't give them a number because we're not at that point. Like we're not at the point where, um, you can just give a flat number to it. Um, um, you know, this is just generally speaking, but you, you just want in recruiting and I recruited Hunter and did such a good job. He went to Michigan. So, um, but I like, like Joe, man. Yeah. I like Joe. Don't there you go. I got you. Um, you know, I'm messing with you. They, um, <laughs> but like, just like I was in his living room or whatever, like I take pride in knowing how he feels because I got recruited and I played. The only thing you ever want is someone to tell you the truth and to be honest with you. So if we get you, we get you like, there, there's no surprises. And, and that's all you want. The, one of the things for me is I got some guys on our team that have helped us be really good. And giving somebody new X amount of dollars and they're not at that level, right. mm -hmm. I'm uncomfortable with that. So we got to get that fixed because like Hunter's a good example. Hunter's a productive player. So nobody looks around and says like, man, Hunter Dickinson's getting X amount of dollars. Hunter Dickinson's been an ass kicker for two years. But they would have had, had right. Hunter come in with that money. They would have said that. Yes. But he also was an ass kicker in high school. Yes, but, but it's different. But he was productive. Like, Correct. see, I'm, I'm different because I don't look at talent. Obviously, he's a talented guy, but Hunter's production meets his talent level. Totally. He, you know, if Hunter doesn't score, he can still help his team. He's competitive. You know, he talked about feeling pressure. I think he's choosing the wrong word, 
because pressure is something that you feel when you're not prepared. He had a great high school coach. He had a great AAU program. He's got a great family. He's at a great institution. He's made really, really good decisions, you know, besides the Purdue thing. You know, really, really good. <laughs> hey, Coach, y'all got a good big man, too, out of it. Don't worry. No doubt. No, hey, hey, no doubt. A great point. Hey. There you go. Uh, you know I'm messing with you. I'm, I'm getting my jabs in early. It's but, good, no, good. but he's been so productive, and he's always been a worker. And I, I just hope this doesn't leapfrog that because this is his time to be really successful and these other guys times to be really successful. But Rob, as you know, like you have a short, you don't realize how short your window is. I think he made a really good decision, you know, 20 years ago, you know, some of these guys that are bigger wouldn't be making the same decision. I don't know if Zach would be making the same decision. I don't know if Hunter would be making the same decision because the NBA was different 20 years ago, but now, you know, they have these things in place. And so now like Hunter's said, you know, it's the right – they're making the right decision for them. Like, he made the right decision for him. Zachary made the right decision for himself. And so, like, these things, like, we like that piece of it, but you're talking about two productive players. And, like, now when you, now you got to put things together for people that are out there um, on the wire, so to speak, and they haven't done anything for your program, and then maybe somebody in your program isn't quite at that level – with name, image, and likeness yet on your campus. That's where the dissension's gonna like, that's gonna be tough. Now, I think with good cultures, you know, Michigan's got a good culture. I think we have a good culture. I think our locker rooms stay pretty strong because of that. Now, some places where they're moving more and they got all the changes some more, I think that's gonna be a lot harder because that I always say about a player, like you got your family, you got your religion, you got academics, you got basketball, and then you got your social life. Anytime your social life leapfrogs any of those other ones, you're in trouble. If you're smoking or you're drinking, and that's more important than any of those things I said, trouble is coming your way, man. So you can't, you got to keep your criteria and what's important with your family, your religion, your academics, and basketball. It is so hard to be good. So now when you throw something in there, coaches are excited for guys. They like people like don't understand that. Like we're like, we want these guys to get what they deserve, but we also don't want it to take away from them having a great life. And then we're not bypassing some values in there. That's the concern for things because I don't like the one-time transfer from, from the fact that the adversity of things, when adversity hits, what do you do? Do you buckle down and do you work and fight or do you run? Well, if you've played on four AAU teams and you've been on three high school teams and three colleges, if you're 24 years old and you don't make it and, and adversity hits you in the face, like, what are you going to do? Well, only thing so far you've done is change. So we have a landscape of change. So, and, and Hunter talked about a little bit, like that was the one thing he was going to do, man, I make my decision. I am staying there. I just had a guy who fell out of our rotation come in and say, Hey, I want to get a Purdue degree. I want to make this right. Um, I had a tough time in a role and I was just like floored by it. Like it just kind of shows you, you know, his makeup and everything doesn't mean like, you know, even if he would have came in and said he was leaving, I understand why he's leaving. He fell out of the rotation. Like I got that, but he wants to make it right. And I just got a funny feeling those guys that battle adversity more times than not the people that run from adversity. And there's a lot of scenarios that that make sense. That's what I, I get worried about because like Hunter's decision or any kid's decision to go places should be the springboard not to have a great career all the time 
but to have a great life. That's what it's like. I'm not here with the opportunity that I got to get a scholarship at Purdue. Like that's, that, that put me in, in a different stratosphere with other people, especially being around Bruce Weber and being around Gene Cady and how much those guys have done for me in my career. I no, the, go ahead. Jeff, I was, I was going to piggyback on yeah. what, what, what those guys are saying at that level about the, the NIL, how it's affecting guys that are coming in. And for us, we're on the other side of that. So like in our locker room this past year, we, we had a, a guy, you know, Mosley, who ended up getting an NIL deal in the middle of the season. And so, um, you know, to my knowledge, no one else on our team had one. And so I'm not saying that that threw a monkey wrench into anything we had, but, but it was a little bit weird because now when we're recruiting someone, you know, they're, they're wondering how much can they get. Uh, and, and at our level, you kind of have to do something first before you can prove to be worth that type of uh, situation because it's just not a norm, right? We're, we're, we're probably not recruiting the guys that, that like Zach was mentioning that have been getting this since high school or through AAU, it's kind of like, show me what you can do. And then this is something that, that others may try to do around the program to, to maybe get you to stay. And um, that could be a little bit uncomfortable in your locker room because you, you basically don't have, it's not a norm in our locker room, right? NIL is not the norm. It's, it's a little bit uh, abnormal uh, considering. And then also when, when you think about the amount, you know, the, the rumored amount that, that was floating around our program this year. So, uh, but then when you go and you, you try to recruit throughout the spring, it, it's still a question that's asked, but it's, a, it's, under, it's not the first question that's asked, right? It's like maybe like six or seven. For us, the first question most of the time now on, a, on, on getting a transfer is playing time. You know, some, we're, we're probably getting someone that didn't play as much as, as they wanted to, to maybe transfer to our spot and look for playing time. So, it's just a little bit different at our level, but it's still a, a new a new way to operate and uh, something that we've had to try to navigate. But I, I've heard, Dana, that I won't say the school, but uh, an A-10 school, so a school at your level, is paying like six or eight guys 60 grand a piece this year. So what do you do to combat that? Like, are you what can you do, I guess, is, is the bigger question. Yeah, I'm not sure you can do anything to, to combat that because what, what I would imagine is that someone outside your program has got to step up to the plate and be willing to, to pay that price. You need John and Ruiz. So, you need John Ruiz. That's who you need. Right. <laughs> and so, like, you know, and like, and like programs that are, that are not the non-power five. Like I used to be at Wichita State. It wouldn't surprise me if someone at Wichita State stepped up and said, hey, we're going to jump into this new world. Um, but But – I don't think anyone at, um, and I'm going to throw a Valley school out, uh, you know, maybe Northern Iowa. I don't think they're going to have anyone step up and say, hey, let's do it this way. When, when we, we just haven't, we haven't done it that way. We, we haven't done it in a way in which we you need to look older. for that guy, Dana. Do you, do you legitimately need to be searching for that guy with deep pockets that, that's a Missouri State alum right now? Well, I don't think by rule we can, number one, but. Uh, if, if someone were to step up to do that, then, then, then I don't think we would we would, you know, tell them no. Uh, but but at <laughs> no. the same time, it's such a new world for <laughs> us, like like this, this whole NIL, which is ultimately turning into pay for play. Right. This is really a new world for us. And, and I'm not saying that it's not new for 
uh, power fives, but, but, but maybe it's been in a different manner, you know? Um, so, but for us, what, what we've traditionally been very good at is, is what all of this is now taking away when you think of the portal and NIL. And that's, that's just the process of development over time. And, and ultimately that, that's how we, when I say we, I'm, I'm talking non-power five mid-major schools, you know, we, we have been a, a, a bootstrap type of level, you know? Um, and, and so that, that, that's kind of trickling down, but, but it's almost opposite because it's, it's one of those things that, that can almost become uncomfortable if one person in your locker room is getting it and no one else is. Coach, for we, everyone said we don't want pay for play, but isn't that what we have? Well, I mean, I, I definitely think that's, that's, that's ultimately what you're, what you're saying this is, right? And, and, and you know, for, for, for the life of me, I, I'm, I'm not understanding how come uh, uh, so many people are surprised by this. You know, when, when you think of the way that it was uh, brought to the table and implemented, I'm not sure how you could expect uh, 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 teams not to, to go about it in, in the way that they are. And, and so, um, you know, I, I like I like Zach's point earlier about what the intention was. But when you do things without guardrails, you know, it's it's just very challenging to 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 not uh, get those innovative minds that think outside the box. And, you know, like I try to tell parents how I try to explain it is, you know, you're not going to build uh, an interstate and, and not put a speed limit out there because, ultimately you're, you're going to have people going their own speed, doing their own thing. And uh, there's no patrolling and, and, and you're just going to have chaos. And, and that's, that's what we have right now is, is, is just chaos because um, wh- whether, whether we want to call it that or not, that's the bottom line. When, whenever you can get someone uh, and entice them with, with some type of monetary uh, uh, deal to, to come and be a player for you, you're ultimately saying, come here and play, and this is what you'll get paid. Um, and, and you know, right now, with, with it not being any type of guardrails, who's to say it's wrong? Who's to say they're supposed to monitor it? Um, and, and to be quite honest, I don't know what to think about, to, to be honest, because I've been in a lot of living rooms where, where, where young people and their families, they, they, need, they need help. And, and, and so I've seen that side and, and, and then, you know, I've, I've been in, in, in living rooms where maybe, you know, this person doesn't need that, but, but to just put things in without the guardrails, I'm not surprised by, by where we are. And, and I don't want to say I'm afraid of where we're heading, but, but I, I don't know where we're heading. And, and this could become a lot bigger uh, deal than, than what it is currently now. And uh, I'm not very confident that we're going to put in guardrails. That, that's, that's probably a, a whole nother level of this. Zach, I'm going to start with you, and then I'll go around the, the group to ask everybody this. But from your, from your perspective and from an agent's perspective, how, how, do we, how do we fix this? That's a great question. I mean, to what Coach Ford just said, I mean, the mid-majors get killed here, right? You know, because to his point, right, let's say he goes, let's say a transfer kid wants to go. Right. And all they're saying is, you know, a booster comes to him and says, hey, if we can get, you know, Hunter, we'll give him fifty thousand dollars. Right. And he says, "Okay, great. Kid's going to come. Now, look at the rest of his locker room. Now, what do we get? Right. What do we get? And that's where it becomes problematic. Right. Because 
as he said, the mid-major was a developmental game right there, right? It was someone that wasn't maybe playing at Purdue or Michigan that wanted a star role, went there, helped lead to the tournament, and so on and so forth. Like, what's the incentive right now for the mid-majors to win, right? Because they're just going to lose everyone that they have. So I think the NBA Players Association has to get involved to a degree. I think the NCAA has to quit with this NCAA certification, right? It's if somebody wants a kid, they're going to get a kid. Right. And they might be safer by not having it. So kids don't just jump to clutch and go right. Clutch is an NCAA certified. Uh, they don't need to be right. Because the kids that they're going to sign are probably going to go straight to the draft and not going to advise that. And even if they were, they'd advise it through the table, through the back channel, some way, somehow. Right. It is what it is. It's time to call it out. Right. And, you know, I've met all the agents. They're all great people, right? There are good people. There are shady people. I'm not sure I'd say all. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd go all. Right. Most. As I tell every parent, we all have pros and cons, right? There's some people that are better at some things than others. Everyone's been fired. doesn't matter who you are. But at the end of the day, first of all, I don't think we should ever report what these kids are making out in the open. Right. I think that was a dangerous thing. Well, and it was one guy. It, it wasn't even, it wasn't Miami. It wasn't the kid. I mean, you almost feel bad for Nigel Pack a little bit that he's the guy who got thrown out there because of John Ruiz. Right. He threw that out and that led to the whole Isaiah Wong thing. Right. right. The Isaiah Wong thing was a blessing in disguise. Right. Because I think we're having this conversation. Yeah. I think when everyone saw the Nigel Pack number, I was like, whoa, OK, he played at Kansas State. He was solid, but they're Kansas State. No, don't get me wrong. Coach got um, fired. Coach got fired. Right. And, you know, it's 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 different than when you go play Duke. Right. I don't know if he would average 17 and a half at Duke. So at the end of the day, I think it's a dangerous game because now agents. The question is, how who do you trust? Right. Who do you trust? Because now if you're getting 20 percent on an agency fee for a transfer portal. Right. Are you truly going to be advising a kid through the pre-draft process in an honest way? Good point. If you think they're going to come back to school or are you going to use that influence that you now have funnel them to Miami and get 20% of an $800,000 deal and then maybe sign the kid in two years. And whether you sign them or not, you still made 160 on the deal. So what do you care? Right. That's more than you would make for Nigel Pack being in exhibit 10, paying for his training, paying for this and probably never seeing a dime because he'll leave you five years after he doesn't go anywhere. I told Hunter, I said, Hunter, be careful. Negotiate that percentage down on that NIL deal. Don't be paying 20 or 15%. Shouldn't be. And the truth is we have to figure out if we cap the agent's percentages, and I'll probably get slammed by a bunch of peers, but it's okay, right? If if you cap the percentage, now you're going to, you know, get that honesty a little bit back into place. I mean, I think if that's the case, why wouldn't Paolo, I mean, granted, he'll be a top three pick. Why wouldn't he go make $30 million next year at Duke? Right. Well, he's not going to make that in his first year in the league. Right. OK, so he'll be 20 when he goes to the league and he'll still be the number one, two, three or four pick in 2023. Right. So it's it's you need a czar. I think yeah. who is that going to be? I don't know. Is it going to be a college coach? Probably not. Is it going to be someone from the Players Association? Probably not. Right. We need education on what we can and cannot do. Uh, and I think you need someone that's not afraid to take the challenge, right? You got to call people out. You got to read the facts to the table and you got to say, agent, stop being irresponsible. I go painter. I, 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 I 
here hereby nominate Matt Painter for the czar of college basketball. He will retire <laughs> tomorrow. He'll pull a Jay Wright. He'll retire tomorrow. We'll get some NIL money for you, Paint. We'll pay you. <laughs> we'll pay you more than you're making now at Purdue, and you're out. There you go. I second that. Get him out of here, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> I deserve that, Hunter. I deserve that one. That's that. You need a czar yeah. to take yeah. control and yeah. really be able to work with all sides to make sure that the kids at the end of the day are getting the right advice on whether to go pro, transfer, or really just stick it out, or else you're going to have a free-for-all and nobody's going to win because you're going to lose yeah. the innocence of college basketball. Yeah. Zach, that's it's a great point. Like we've had in 17 years, we've had nobody make a wrong decision about going pro. And like that's like that, like we really worked hard. We've had three guys leave early, uh, Caleb Swanigan, Carson Edwards, and Jaden Ivey, and they all should have. And, and so like everybody that's supposed to come back have come back. It's what they want to listen to. You know, there's people always say, oh, you're listening to the wrong people. Like, no, there was... 80, 90% of the people were telling them the right things. They just chose to listen to the 10 to the 20%. And that happens a lot and you can't control that. Well, now I love the avenue that they have now. Like you can't, you know, you can't let your ego get in the way, especially when you think you were going to leave. You got to take a step back and say, okay, what's the best thing for me? Not what I want to do. You know, and, and that I think we're seeing more people do that. So I love some of the avenues like the guys going in the G League and playing or the guys going overseas or whatever. People look at that and frown. It's like it's their choice. Right. Like they should be allowed to do what they want. And that's not hindering them, in my opinion. People say, well, you're, you're replacing, you know, your college education. Those guys were going to go to college and play one or two years. Like they're probably not going to come back. If that's the way you are and that's the way you're wired, that's the way, you know, or that's just how good you are. Well, some the kids ones don't that we love don't... college hoops. Like Hunter loves college. Bat. He loves right. the college experience, right? Kofi Carbon might not have liked the college experience quite as much because he probably could have gotten similar money as you, Hunter, but he chose to, you know what? I'm going to move on at this point. Right, Paint? Right. Yeah, I love the I love the avenues that we have. They, they got so many avenues now. Like I like the avenue when you're a good player and what you can do. But like now, the guys that are struggling or doing things in college or whatever, sometimes the the avenues that they choose, like you just want what's best for them. And, and we we've given them so many opportunities to move from things. When you move from things and it's advantageous for you. You know, that's a, that's a great thing. That's, that's, that's fabulous. But when you're just running from something, if you can't dribble with your left hand at Purdue, you can't dribble with your left hand at Michigan. You like, if you can't like, you got to get better. Like, you know, you talked about some guys that don't play or, you know, whatever. It's like, you're getting some guys that are now kind of touching all these, you know, different aspects, but Hey, you got to still be in the gym and you still got to be better than the guy in front of you. Like, let's don't get away from some of those things. And, um, there's just a lot of things and a lot of choices for these guys. And some people look at that, that aren't involved. Any, any politician that pushed this through any like NCA member, anybody that's an agent, I would, they just need to come and coach for a year. I always say that about officials and coaches, like coaches should go and officiate players should go and officiate. All right. For one year, for one year and officials and officials should come and coach. And I think we would be a lot better in our positions, especially dealing with each other, because we'd realize how hard 
each other's profession actually is. Well, this right here, a lot of people are talking about this. So like when Hunter Dickinson speaks on something, man, I'm listening. You know, when Dana Ford speaks on this, I'm listening. When Zach is speaking on, I'm listening. They're in the trenches and they understand. But who's listening to us? Like we're listening to each other here, but none of us are making the rules. Like we got to do a better job. And I'm on a lot of committees. We got to do a better job of listening to players. And then the one thing about players that's different, and people look at you when you're old like you never played. Like teenagers don't run families. So when Hunter's 16 years old, he's not running his family. Okay. You got to understand that. Like middle school kids and high school kids don't run families. It just doesn't happen. They're what their opinions in college basketball is really, really important because they're in the trenches, but they can't run things because they don't have 30 years in coaching. They don't have the thing that coaches want is they want what's best for student athletes. It gets lost because it gets so competitive. It, it, but we just want what's best for our players. And, and that's something that we got to keep listening to players in their perspective. But at the end of the day, coaches like, like we have two coaches on the basketball oversight committee. One of them's now not on anymore. Conzo Martin at the D one council, there's no coaches. And then when it goes up to the press, the presidential is where it gets voted on, or if it doesn't, the D1 council. And there's no coaches on those committees. That's ridiculous. So we're sitting here fighting, yeah. and it's just it's just our opinion. People say, oh, you're on the basketball oversight committee. I'm like, yeah, we make suggestions. We, we do straw votes. We, we chew on things. But at the end of the day, we're not making decisions. But coaches aren't in that room. We got to get to where – we're doing some things because we're not trying to knock off anything that that is right for student athletes. We're trying to help student athletes and we're trying to help our game. So that's just a question, coach. How do you get on the presidential committee? How, how, how do they nom? No one knows. There's no, there's <laughs> the presidents get on there. There's a handful. It's of only, it's only, so it's only hey, university. Yeah, hey, there's Rob, a handful of other Rob, people. How did Mark Emmert, how did Mark Emmert become the president? I, I don't know. I'm not <laughs> sure. He just was one day. <laughs> you can probably figure it out. You probably figure out what happened there. Well, I, my question is then how do we get coaches on there? Like that, I, that doesn't make any sense. I keep asking, I keep talking about it because <laughs> Sorry, that sounds like a stupid-ass question. By I don't know. It's a very logical question, and it's something that we keep asking and talking about because we, we, we're getting feedback from players, and, and, and it really helps us. But we also have to understand, like, that's the reason I said that about families and stuff, just because, you know, my mom used to always talk about you haven't lived long enough. You haven't made enough mistakes yeah. to know what you're doing. And people that are – that's why the old wise man, you know, you sit there and you listen to your grandfather or whatever, and you think, oh, Grandpa, here we go again but he's just trying to help you. He's probably already made the mistake and your dad's made the mistake and they're trying to stop you from making the mistake. So like those things are important, man. Like we, we, we have to do a better job of, of, of really getting the coaches and listening to what's going on so we can, you know, so our game doesn't, you know, you know, get punished here. Speaking of old wise men, uh, Hummel, um, we haven't really heard from you in, in your perspective so far as the, the grizzled veteran, the former player, who played eight years in college basketball, who's now <laughs> doing TV work, who honestly, like everybody else has kind of talked to you, but I'd like to know your, your kind of take on what you would do or what you would like to see done. Well, <laughs> I just think it's such a complicated issue. Like, I think the players should be, should be able to make money. Like, I think it's great that Hunter's got this deal. I thought, I think that when I played, you know, you look in the crowd 
There's a bunch of 33 Purdue jerseys, and the, they're telling us, no, that's not Etuan Moore's jersey. Hell yeah, it is. Like, it definitely is. So I, I think that there are some really good things that are coming out of this. I think the fact that the the guardrails have, been, have not been put into place, I just don't understand how you could assume that this wasn't going to happen because of the fact that, you know, we don't have any rules. There's like two rules, and none of them are being followed. So I, I my question now is, how do you get it back under control you can't cap earnings. That's a lawsuit immediately. You know, do, do we need like a, a players association to like collectively bargain? I, I don't know. I mean, that I, I'm not sure what the answer is. I, I think it's a very complex deal. I, I'm thrilled the players are able to make money. I think they should be able to make money and have camps, do virtual Zoom, basketball lessons, sell T-shirts, whatever. I, I'm all for it. Um, I guess I, I was naive to the collective issue. Yeah. I had no idea that would even be possible. I, I and I I think even then hearing that the donors get tax write-offs and the players don't really have to do anything. You know, I think when I was thinking NIL, it's like, hey, you have a, a car deal, or you know, you you're there for the local pizza place, or or Rob, and, I and said the highest, this to you and at the I highest guess- level, like okay, Zion Williamson could get his own Nike deal, like because he could be that type of marketable athlete but i i think i'm shocked to see the way that some of this has gone down and maybe i was just naive on those things listen i've been saying it for a year now all you got to do is find your boy right you're a head coach like i told dana go find somebody at missouri state uh who, who wants missouri state to be really good and then you just drop a piece of paper drop it on the floor here are my recruits there they are right there are my recruits I didn't give it to you. That's my list, though. I mean, come on. This stuff, this was so easy to figure out. Loopholes, right? Here's another one. Guys are going to start playing bye games. If I'm Missouri State, how many bye games you play right now, Dana? Just one. My guess is, if I'm you, I'm playing five in two years. Not this year. Your schedule's probably already done. I'm playing five, and I'm saying that extra, I don't know, 300 grand? Let me, let me keep it. Let, let's figure out a way to get that. And again, I know you can't comment on this, but I'm saying all those mid-majors that I'm going to look for creative ways to figure this shit out. And that's all this is going to do right now. Hunter, we got a few more minutes here for everybody to go around the room here a little bit on. I, I don't know if how to fix it is the right word, because, again, I think there's part of it. I mean, right now you're, you're going to look at your, your your bank account in a couple months and be like, fix it. Fix what? I mean, this is great. So, and and I don't blame you. I want you who has, again, like Paint said, you have produced at the highest level. You've taken your team to the NCAA tournament, um, deep in the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago. So I don't know if fixed is the right word. What would you change? Yeah. You know, I think it's easy from a player's perspective. Like, shoot, I mean, keep it going. Like, you know, we're the ones benefiting from it the most. But I think, you know, the biggest thing, I think would help is, you know, trying to limit that transfer portal as much as possible. I mean, the freedom of movement that players have nowadays, I mean, you know, even they say it's a one-time thing, but you can transfer twice, three times. Like there's way, there's so many ways to finesse it nowadays to where players can, I mean, you've seen Teddy Allen, he's better be at a sixth school and like, and he's not using the one-time transfer portal. Like I think, so many guys are able to like 
beat or like get around the rules to where I feel like finding out a more of a structure for the transfer portal would help keep guys longer at schools like Missouri State to where they're able to, you know, continue to develop there and he doesn't have to try to get 10 new guys every year. Um, but in terms of like the money and paying, especially in the heist, like um, Zach was saying, the agency business and the grassroots business is, I think, one of the craziest and dirtiest places in the history. Like, I mean, people are so naive to think that, you know, stuff wasn't happening before NIL. I mean, you're not getting Zion Williamson at Duke for free now. Like, he, he didn't turn down that much money at Kansas and a job for his parents and all that to go to school for Duke for free. I mean, it just – like, people are naive to think that, but, I mean – I mean, you were ranked what? Happening. Hunter, Hunter, what were you ranked coming out of, high, like, top what? Oh, I mean, hey, the, the, the recruiting sites didn't like me. Uh, I was probably, like, top 40, I think. And, and without yeah. without going into who, like, were people offering you money coming out of high school? They, Not really. Okay, I'm not gonna say no, not not me. They not found really. other avenues. Like yeah. my brother was a coach, so I put yep. that out there at the Matha. I put that out, but yep. um, like I know guys who offer money. I know yep. I've heard stories, and I know personal guys who are offering money. And so it was happening. It's just now it's legal. Yep. And I think one thing that people don't realize is like the money was always there for Nigel Pack to get four hundred thousand. Like Ruiz had that money. But instead of giving that, instead of giving $10 million to Miami this year, he's given $9 million and he's keeping one for actual players. And I think that's the biggest thing that people are missing. Like, instead of Clemson football getting a $180 facility, they're getting a $170 million facility. And they're just using $10 million to get players. Like, the facility, the facility is going to be the same facility, but just a little bit less nice. But they're getting, they're going to be able to get, 20 more five-star players from that. And so I think, like, the money's always been there. It's just being able to get to the players instead of, you know, getting – Practice facility, yeah. To help uh, the players eventually. Right, another Hunter, board real quick, did, practice facility. Hunter, did you – how much did you have to seek out these deals? Or were you able to have, like, a dad or an agent? Like, has it been challenging to do, or has it pretty much come to you? Yeah, I, I don't think Michigan's been the best with that. You know, I don't think we're, you know, the likes of the SEC or anything like that. Well, I feel like they've got NIL down to a science down there. We, you know, we're we're pretty conservative with this thing. You know, we feel like, I mean, I'm kind of, I feel like I've spoken out against, you know, Michigan's NIL approach. But, um, you know, it definitely was hard for me last year. Um, I had, you know, a company or two reach out on my behalf and got me, you know, a good amount of my deals. Um, I feel like in terms of like donors and stuff like that, um, you know, there wasn't much of that because I think the way Michigan structured it, like people didn't know how to do it. Like they didn't know how easy it is just to be like, here, come, you know, to an appearance and you can make X, Y, and Z dollars, or you can just even post on Instagram and stuff like that. Um, I think this year, Michigan's starting to realize that, you know, you have to fully jump in on this thing or you're going to be way behind. And so I think it'll be easier as time gets on. But right now it's kind of hard, I'd say. Um, you know, I have to hire a marketing team and stuff like that just to make it easier on me because I know, you know, during the season last year, like it, it's hard to just focus on basketball for sure. I mean, with NIL deals and, you know, you have so many 
um, I guess, like um, requirements and stuff like that. People like you're getting contracts sent to you, um, like you're trying to read through them, you're trying to send them to a lawyer to look at. And then, you know, you have the requirements of posting on certain days. You have what to what are they materials. like, Hunter, what give us a, a, a kind of a little bit of an, a, an idea of what you have to do for some of these things? Um, like for Outback, they had me come to a photo shoot and then they wanted me to um, like take some of my teammates. out. I ended up taking my managers out to a dinner um, and paying for it with the money that they gave me and stuff like that. Um, like posting on Instagram, posting certain stuff that they send me, um, you know, and like they'll give me, I like it when they give me the caption because it makes it so much easier, yeah. but sometimes, you know, they'll make you like bring it or, you know, I know I had Xfinity um, during the NCAA tournament. They had me make a video um, and send it to them and then send it back. But I mean, it can get really, really, I guess, busy. Cause I mean, I know for me, I try to do my best with school and basketball. And, um, you know, like coach painter says, you got that list of priorities that you have and it's easy. Like, you know, I can speak from like, it's easy to have that shift when you don't want it to things can overlap. And, you know, unless you're really good and you got a good feel for it, it can definitely priorities can definitely get flip-flopped and you can definitely worry about the wrong things real fast. And that happened to me last year. I was fortunate enough to, you know, be able to get it back in order in time, but I know for some kids it can definitely affect them and definitely mess them up when um, they don't want it to. Is your t-shirt NIL? Like, could I go buy that t-shirt on yeah, a website? At the player's trunk. Of course you can. Come on. I, I, all right, players. That's Charles uh, Matthews website, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Hey, hey, Jeff, one of the things, you know, I think that we can do to make this thing better is I feel like, and Coach alluded to some of these things early, we've got to figure out a way with all these things that are going on to for it to stop making a mockery of education because this is still college. And, and, and for most of these guys, if not all of them, the, the, the education is what's going to level the playing field. These NIL deals, although some are big, it, it, this is not life-changing money that we're talking about. But these are life changing yeah. decisions that we're for, talking about. Yeah. You know, you look at you look at, you know, kids that uh, you, you like our guy. I just use him for an example because that's what I know. You know, our, our guy had a chance to, to be the all time leading scorer at a school and his number to get retired. I mean, that's a life changing decision to put your name in the portal. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying he's not going to get money that's going to change his life because because it's rumored that he is. But not everybody's going to get that. And, you know, coach talked about being able to do a certain amount of these things after X, Y, and Z semester, I think is a great idea because you, you also have guys that are, that are transferring that, that are, are, are not very good students or, or they've only taken online classes. And, and now all of a sudden they're, they're transferring because they have a certain GPA or, or, or even when we used to recruit a junior college player, the first thing I would ask is, you know, can we graduate them? Can we, can we help them get a degree? And, and it's not that we don't ask that question anymore, but we, we don't ask it first right. because you, you've got an option to play. And then if you don't, don't like it, you, you, you kind of just go play somewhere else without having to, to sit. And, and so I, I think the fact that we have taken education and just basically said that it's, it's I mean, it's on the, it, it, there's no, we're, we're treating everyone like it's the best thing for them to get NIL or it's the best thing for them to have the right to transfer. And, and that's just not the case for most, most guys. I mean, it, it, 
now, now, I don't think anyone can argue that a great education at some of these institutions we're talking about could ultimately ultimately be the best thing for these these players. And and right now, with all these moving parts and, and all these options, you know, we tell our guys sometimes, you know, having options isn't always a great thing because you can make a, a, a wrong decision. And and you know, I just think that for us not to have any type of um, uh, process where education, things from a progress towards a, a, a degree, a GPA, um, we, we have zero of that involved because ultimately it's still the university where people are making the money, meaning this. My guy here may have been just worth 50000 on an NIL. My same guy may be worth 500000 at Kentucky. Well, the only thing that changed was Missouri State on the front and Kentucky on the front. The player is still the same. So the university still has some type of uh, effect and input on what's, what's being done out there in regards to what your worth is. And if that's the case, if we got, if we got the university playing that big of a role, how is education not part of these deals? I, I, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't even, I don't even understand. I can't even comprehend that because if, if you're, if, if you're barely eligible, okay. Um, may, maybe, maybe you shouldn't be making X amount of money, right? Or if you can't do this, that, or the other, because I, I just, I feel like it's just making a mockery of, of, of the complete, uh, process of what college is supposed to be about. And, and that's for a student athlete or, or, or a common student. College is still about education. Coach, how, how do you get your players to maybe see more of the long game? Like I think about the, even the rooms I've been able to be in just because someone's a Purdue grad or even for Coach Painter. Yeah. Not that he didn't deserve to be the head coach at Purdue, but it certainly helped him that he played four years there and stayed there and had good relationships with these people, whether it's the president, the AD, but I think about the opportunities that I've had since college, and I've, I've been with people that, man, I wouldn't be able to get in that room with those guys if I wasn't a Purdue graduate. How, how do you make that maybe more of a, not priority, but just known that they, there is value, especially around here at, at Missouri State, if you do stick around? That's a great question, and, and it's one that, that we've brought up numerous times, and, and, and especially in, in, in our recruiting pitch nowadays. I mean, you think about being a, a graduate, like you just mentioned, from Purdue or Notre Dame or, or, or Duke or things of that nature and, and what that could do for you, because that's that's what a majority of our student athletes are going to become. They're going to become alums of some university. Majority of them are not going to become professionals, uh, basketball players, but but they're all or, or most will become an alum. And so I think that decision has to weigh weigh heavily on, on what they're doing. But to answer your question, it's simple. They, they, they're all living in sight instead of vision. Uh, they're, they're all really worried about what, what's, what's, what's great for me now, uh, not, not what's, what's, what's the best for me later. Uh, social media has a lot to do with that. And, and Coach, he, he alluded to this earlier. It's parenting as well be, be, because, uh, you know, one of the biggest things I've heard is, is when, when guys are making these decisions, the, the, the phrase, uh, you know, it, it's what's best for me. Well, well, just because you can put that sentence at the end of something you said doesn't make it what's best for you. And, and no one can tell me that a college degree from uh, um, Notre Dame 
is not what's best for you. Uh, there can be some other things that are good and great, X, Y, Z, yes, but that degree from whatever institution we're talking about, that's got to fall under the best for you bucket as well. And so um, I think, I, again, I just think social media has really, really changed the thought process. Coach called it a change culture. And, and that's how kids are being raised. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really just quite that simple. All right. Well, listen, I, I know uh, we, we've gone over the, uh, the allotted. Uh, I know paint's got to go hit the portal. Uh, Dan, I'm sure you do too. So I'm done in the portal. I better be done in that portal, man. <laughs> Ten guys, all, man. All spring, man. You got no scholarships left. But Feel listen, like I think we can team. all agree, probably a, a little too much at one time, as Payne said at the beginning. I think that's probably the bigger issue here. If we had kind of gone, you know, in stages, it, it might have been a little easier. But and I didn't even think about you're right, the pandemic playing into it too, because obviously getting the extra year as well. Anyway. I uh, want to thank everybody uh, for jumping on board. Matt Painter, Dana Ford, Zach Charles, Hunter Dickinson, uh, Goodman and Hummel podcast. Rob, you did well today. You did well. <laughs> don't, I, don't I do decent on most of these things? I don't know. Co-host, this was big for you. I yeah, mean, so in, the roundtable discussions, that's the next step for me, for sure. Paint's got to be proud. I mean, it's like I'm sure. looking at his son here. Uh, I'm sure only, he's real you know, proud. 38-year-old son, but whatever. He's anyway. probably, man, he's, he's probably saying to himself, Rob's attached himself to a loser like Jeff. What a great job. <laughs> what did he do? What the hell went wrong great, with this great guy? Great job, Rob. He was on such a good path until he got with this guy. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And uh, state of the game. Maybe we'll do it again next year, and it'll be a little, little bit easier. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Thanks, guys.